Hey everyone, it's Jason V, fearless leader of Local Color of Baltimore podcast. I've done over 30 episodes of the podcast and I've realized this is more than a hobby to me. This is what I want to do with my life. There's money to be made in this podcast game. Who's to say some of that scratch can't be mine? This episode with Adam Jackson and Dave on Love of Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle will be the last episode of Local Color. <laughs> Just kidding. However, it is the last episode of the podcast in its current format. Interviews are great, but I believe I was put on this earth to tell stories. The podcast will reflect that personal legend with more narrative-based episodes coming soon. If you need an example of what I'm talking about, check out the series I did on the Brioxi Innovation Summit. I'll still be interviewing guests, but instead of a recording studio, I'll be on location capturing the sounds of the city we all know and love. I'm also working on a complete rebranding of the podcast, new name, new site, but still the same great content y'all have come to enjoy. If you're an entrepreneur, I think you'll know what I mean when I say I've hit a ceiling and now it's time to expand and take it to the next level. I've read all the Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill I can. Now it's time to put in the work. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the episode. Hey everyone, I'm Jason V and this is Local Color. Struggle is the name of a Talib Kweli album. It's also the name of a book by Baltimore's own Ta-Nehisi Coates. But the leaders of A Beautiful Struggle? They're a Baltimore-based think tank that wants to transform Baltimore through policy action. Think tanks have been a fixture of public policy and legislation since the 1960s, and as guests Adam Jackson and Davon Love explain, it was for a very specific reason. We also talk about how Jackson and Love got into debate and why there's no quote black power structure in Baltimore City. Okay, so why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, my name's Adam Jackson, uh, CEO of Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. Davon Love, Director of Public Policy, Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. Let's just start from the beginning. Uh, who founded Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle, and where did it get its start? Uh, LBS is an organization we founded in 2010. Uh, this is this is Adam. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, that's, that's cool, man. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, LBS is an organization that we founded in 2010 as a grassroots uh, think tank here in Baltimore. Uh, me, uh, Davon, a uh, gentleman named Deverick, and Lawrence Grand Prix were the founding members of it. Uh, essentially, it's an extension of the uh, work we were doing in uh, college and college policy debate and organizing we were doing on the campus of Towson University. Uh, and even before then, competitive high school debate that we did for in, uh, in high school. And so what it really is is us focusing on public policy issues and the public policy interests of black folks in Baltimore and also focusing on things like uh, youth development programming for youth and young adults so that way we can uh, create a culture centered on institution building, ending structural oppression, and figuring out how to create valuable, uh, create an institution that black folks can utilize as a resource uh, for black liberation. Okay, so it was founded, you said, in 2010. Mm -hmm. Now, at that time, were you still in school, or had you already graduated? At that point, I was just finishing my undergraduate career. I, I think I graduated in winter of 2012, and a few of us graduated around that time, too. We had just finished up like competing in policy debate on a national level. Uh, myself and a bunch of other folks, uh, we were on the Towson debate team together. Not everyone in LBS, but most of us were on the debate team. And so we traveled nationally, did really well on the national level, 
Dave and his partner actually won a, a collegiate debate championship in 2008. First team of black folks to ever do that. You know, it's two on two activity. So first team of black people to ever win a national collegiate championship. We have a lot of success in debate. We're also successful in our on-campus activism and organizing, and so that translated into us wanting to go back to Baltimore because we were from Baltimore and doing organizing and activism there. Gotcha. Uh, we I, I want to talk about that uh, those college debates and that debate style in a second. Well, Adam, I'll, I'll give you another question. What are the founding principles of Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle? I know you talked about the kind of work that you do, but what foundation do you base your your vision on? I mean, essentially, um, the organization's principles lie in institution building as a central component and necessary a necessary component for black folks to uplift themselves out of the conditions that we exist in and a necessity for us to control the political, social, and economic trajectories of our own life. We cannot do that if we do not have autonomy and the ability to create and own and build institutions that you know that we have in our own communities because too often we have to go to other folks and other organizations and other institutions to build for, to build up you know we have in our like to build up ourselves you know in our own communities the central core of what we do is in that principle so you can apply that to a multitude of uh, different public policy areas to areas of black life that's why we are focused on that because you can't have sustainable uh, changes in the society if you don't focus on institution building so at the end of the day, it's just all about self-sufficiency and self-empowerment? Yeah, the, the ability to the autonomy and the self-determination for black folks is ultimately what the, what the goal is. Davon, this question will be for you. Uh, Adam talked about in the beginning the debates that you won while you were, was it at Towson? Mm-hmm. Okay, now looking at Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle, looking at their website and then hearing what Adam just said, can you talk about that debate style that was used by you and other founding members of the LBS that changed intercollegiate debates? So our style of debate was an extension of an intellectual and academic innovation that traces back to the early 2000s in the University of Louisville, primarily uh, Dr. Eddie Warner and Daryl Birch, who introduced a pedagogy of debate that was about challenging the way in which certain kinds of knowledge that come from elite institutions are often used in ways to undermine the credibility of folks who have expertise in their communities but have not been conferred with the traditional credentials that are often looked to as experts. So in terms of how that translates into debate or into what we do in LBS, And what we did at Towson was to say that we live in a society structured on racism and white supremacy, understand that we need to figure out ways to empower people other from the communities most directly affected by the systems of oppression and have mechanisms that allow us to speak on our own terms. And so when Adam mentions the whole idea of the institution building as a core part and principle of LBS, it is that we need to address the problems in our communities on our own terms and understand that we live in a society structured in such a way that undermines our ability to speak on our own terms and and to advocate our interests in ways that are most aligned with our own quality of life. I feel like you just you threw a lot of stuff at me, and it was kind of hard to to understand. So could you just break it down? Well, I mean, essentially, we participated in a practice of debate that's centered around addressing issues in our communities. Oftentimes what happens is that the people who are, or institutions, that are given the credence and legitimacy to author 
solutions to our problems. Oh, okay. Usually people outside of our communities. Oh, gotcha. So our practice is centered around the idea that we need a practice of debate that empowers people in community, combining expert knowledge, knowledge that comes from experience, knowledge that comes from institutions that are rooted in community, as a way so that we are telling our own story and authoring our own solutions to our own problems. Okay, yes, that makes much more sense now. <clears throat> now, either of you can answer the next question. You talked about what LBS is all about and the, the founding principles of it. And when I was doing more research, I learned that L, uh, Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle is classified as a think tank. And I think that in today's political climate and how closely people are watching the presidential uh, debates and primaries and stuff, you hear that word, that phrase, uh, think tank, thrown around a lot. So could either of you explain how exactly a think tank works? It, like, do all think, tank, think tanks work the same, or is there anything that sets them apart? Like, could either of you explain that? Think tanks became very prominent. Uh, this is uh, Davon, by Yes, Davon. Think tanks became very prominent in the 60s, particularly the late 60s. Conservatives... Um, feeling that they had lost ground during all the radical movements of the 60s, needed a hub, an institutional hub, to advance their ideas, to proliferate their ideas, because the left was you know, winning in that, you know, talking about the anti-war protests, civil rights, and the like. Think tanks were a part of the conservative right strategy of regaining power in America. It provided the public policy playbook for the conservatives and for elected officials to be able to reach out to the broad public, which culminated in, in 1980 in the election of Ronald Reagan. So you can you can really trace that to the think tanks, kind of engineering that. Sure. We formed as a community-based think tank because oftentimes people who are advocating on issues that affect our communities and black people's communities are usually not people of and from our communities. Right. So the a whole lot so we're a think tank that is rooted in the black radical tradition, the idea of challenging the structures that impair or impede our ability to address our own, our own issues, um, but have a think tank model in terms of putting forward the, the policy agenda to supplement the work that's happening in community um, that's about empowerment. So from the way that you're explaining it, it seems like a think tank would be the, I guess, uh, I don't want to say the power structure, but it is some type of structure for a political or social movement or a think tank that aligns itself with um, a specific movement. Like, Would that be a way to describe it? This is Davon. It's the connection between the work happening on the ground and the public policy arena. Okay. It is to make sure that in the public policy arena, the the needs of the community are represented and that it supplements the work that's happening on the ground. Adam, I want to go back to you. We talked a bit about LBS. Now I want to talk about uh, both you two specifically. Are you from Baltimore, Adam? Uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, Northwest Baltimore. Oh, okay, where in Northwest? Uh, Forest Park, uh, Hanlon Park neighborhood. Okay. Uh, it's like uh, near BCCC, you know, near Garrison, off of Garrison Boulevard. Oh, okay, gotcha. And what about you, Adam? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Davon, you from Baltimore? Yeah, actually, I grew up uh, close to where Adam lived in northwest Baltimore. I actually went to uh, Forest Park High School. I grew up in a, in a community called Howard Park. Howard Park. Did you guys know each other prior to starting LBS? Yeah, well, we knew each other a little bit in high school uh, through debate. 
and so okay. we but we didn't really we weren't we weren't like close friends or anything we just kind of knew of each other in debate right but then we we all started working together oh trying to talk into the oh, i'm sorry then That's we all started working together in college oh, okay cool now was debate and dialogue and uh either of you can answer this question was debate and dialogue uh, something that was important in your family or something that you saw growing up that kind of got you into debate in school? It's Adam. Uh, for me, this is a uh, debate was something I got involved in because my older brother did it at Walbrook and I went to Walbrook High School for a couple of years and before I transferred to Digital Harbor. And so um, he was uh, involved in debate. Uh, and so he just, you know, said he told me one day, like, Adam, do you want to start doing debate? And I was like, sure, why not? Uh, so I just kind of walked into practice, uh, ended up loving it, stuck around and did it. And then uh, eventually I got a scholarship to, go to college for it. Oh, wow. I didn't even know you could get scholarships. That's pretty cool. Both of us did. Yeah. Oh, both of you did? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Davon, can you talk about your experience with, um, I guess, debate and social dialogue growing up? Was, was that something that your parents tried to stress the importance of? Or how did you get into debate? I got into debate really kind of by accident. A friend of mine just wanted me to join the team. She was trying to recruit. <laughs> uh, people to join a team so I just happened to join it and it happened to be something that um, I saw it as an opportunity to get a scholarship to go to college um, that was really my initial interest it wasn't something that um, I had much history in my family and uh, doing or anything like that also on the website it talks about the style of debate and just debate in general and I wanted to talk a little bit about one phrase on the website um, it says that debate is intellectual innovation. How much of intellectual innovation do you think is self-reflection and looking at yourself and saying, maybe the problem isn't an external one, but a problem in my way of thinking or uh, a problem in how I perceive uh, the situation or the topic that we're debating on? And either of you can, can take that question. Okay. Um, you said on the website says that debate is an intellectual innovation. A part of the mission statement, one of so we have three prongs. There's public policy, advocacy, development, and autonomous oh, intellectual. Sorry, he's talking to the mic. Uh -huh. This is Dave on there. Are three prongs that we mentioned in our mission statement: youth development, public policy, advocacy, and you might be referring to autonomous intellectual innovation. Okay, that phrase together means something to us. Autonomous intellectual innovation refers to the fact that many of the institutions that produce what people call expert knowledge are connected to mainstream institutions. We want to create intellectual products that are autonomous, that don't require legitimacy from major institutions, but that can be used to help people understand the world that we live in. Okay, so yeah, that was actually me that didn't fully understand the phrase, but thanks for, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, now, with everything that we've talked about and everything that's going on, especially in Baltimore, I mean, you know, this is like the anniversary of the death of Freddie Gray, his arrest, uh, and everything else that's happening. Do you, either of you think that the black community is on the cusp of some type of great change or shift in our way of thinking that's going to allow us to achieve some of the goals that LBS or some, uh, yeah, some of the goals that LBS um, has for us? Uh, uh, this is uh, Adam. Um, I would say, not particularly. I mean, I think. Well, I, not, I mean, I'm saying there. I mean, the uprising and you know what happened with Ferguson and happened in Ferguson with Mike Brown and other places around the country. Like those things have been happening for a while, and now there's just a different context for us to talk about them in. So now we've shifted from, 
you know, people not being able to talk about their stories and people and us actually noticing the issue. Now it's in corporate media, and now because corporations and other media channels have told us that it's important, now it's important. So I don't think we're tremendously anywhere different than we were before. Probably the only thing, the major thing that's probably changed is people's ability to see it and talk about it, and that's a good thing. And giving people like us a, a larger platform to discuss the things that we do is good too. So generally, I think that we're, we have the potential and the ability to do it. We just have to get the resources and the necessary uh, investment to ensure that our, that our work is going to be successful. Sure. Now, another question I have for that is, especially in Baltimore City, and since I've lived here most of my life, that's the only uh, inspiration that I can draw from. For quite some time now, we've had a mostly black power structure in a mostly black city, but we're still, you know, these problems are still happening. So what exactly do you think it's going to take for us to take that next step, despite the fact that the problems that we're facing are more visible and people are able to talk about them more. Like, what else can we do? I mean, like I said, we have the black power structure. What else is there? This is Davon. There are not, there are black individuals who have been able to ascend the, the ladder of certain political and corporate structures. But when you talk about, there is no black power structure, right? There are black people that are appendages of white institutional power and resources. So the task at hand is to develop infrastructure, grassroots, civic institutions, financial, political institutions that are independent, black-led grassroots that can put up forward political candidates or finance certain efforts that folks are doing in community that community controls. Because if we don't have that, then you have what we have today, which is individual black people who are you know, attached to other institutional arrangements that don't authentically represent the community because that's not who they're accountable to. Right. And at the end of the day, the like that, I guess, black appendage, as you put it, they're really the only ones benefiting from their position in the overall bureaucracy. It sounds very familiar. Have either of you read uh, Claude Anderson? This is a book, mm, Black Labor. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly okay. Mm-hmm. So when you were explaining that, now I'm starting to understand more. Okay, cool. What is LBS doing now, and what is in LBS's future? Uh, this is Adam. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different things we're working on. Uh, one of the major things we're working on at the moment, in terms of community based work, is uh, the trying to create a, a uh, community center in uh, West Baltimore at uh, on near Gilmore Homes called Tubman House. Essentially. It's uh, located at the corner of Mountain Pressbury, and it's a vacant home that the city owns. But because the city wasn't moving fast enough to give it to us, and, they, and we already see a need in the community to provide services, we just we just took it back. The community took it back, and so you know we you know took the boards off. You know we've been working out of it for a while now, in terms of just you know doing community cleanups. I mean community cookouts and um, food giveaways, and uh, planting a garden next to the house. And uh, so we're working on it right now to clean it up, and we need resources. To uh, <clears throat> to build it up even more, um, we always we also have our summer debate camp that's coming up soon in July. Uh, the Eddie Conway Liberation Institute summer debate camp uh, that operates for three weeks in the summer. Uh, it's an academic boot camp essentially where we train students in both debate and organizing and social justice work. Uh, we and it's a national institute that recruits students from around the country uh, as far away as California, as close as here in Baltimore, and we typically have very successful students who do debate competitively, and we also have a bunch of students who stop doing debate and engage in activism work. 
So um, that's coming up soon and probably uh, more organizing work centering on police accountability stuff locally since uh, the legislation that passed uh, didn't meet our didn't, didn't meet our satisfaction doing local organizing work um, to make sure that the laws that are created uh, or that we pass soon are actually going to create more police accountability and transparency. Is that for the um, was it the law enforcement officers bill mm-hmm. of rights? Mm-hmm. Okay, and that and like that's something that'll be in um, leaders of the beautiful struggles uh, future like future projects you guys are going to work on. Well, we have we had just we have just finished the session for the state, and so gotcha. they passed legislation um, to change it to change parts of the uh, law enforcement officers bill of rights or Leobor. And one of the elements that we were focusing on was the police trial boards because when police commit misconduct. They go in front of a trial board that consists almost all entirely of police officers, only three police officers. And so we wanted to change the composition to include civilians on the trial board. And so they made they changed it so that way uh, chiefs could appoint a civilian on the trial board, but it doesn't mandate it in terms of mandating it statewide. And so but they but the law does allow local jurisdictions to pass local ordinances and laws that can make it mandatory. So that's what I meant when I said some of our local work is going to be organizing with the city council, organizing the uh, to get the city council to pass an ordinance and a law that makes it mandatory here in Baltimore. How can people learn more about Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle? And if they learn more and feel like they want to get involved, how can they do that? Uh, this is Adam again. Uh, so people should be able to, people can go to our website at www.lbsbaltimore.com. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LBS Baltimore. Um, and they can also email us at info at lbsbaltimore.com. Now, last question. Who do you guys uh, who do you guys want to vote for for mayor? Well, we have it as an organization. No, I just meant you two personally. I don't mean as, as oh, leaders oh. of a beautiful struggle. Oh, I mean, none of them are that inspiring. I'm considering not casting a ballot for mayor. Really? Yeah. And what about you? Uh, the same thing for you. I voted today. I wasn't particularly happy with my choice, but I voted. Like, today. were you not happy with the choice, or you were just not happy with any of the choices? So you made nah, like not the, at all. No, oh, no. okay, gotcha. All right, um, Adam and Davon of Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. I want to thank you guys for sitting down with me and telling me what you guys are all about. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Local Color is written, produced, directed, edited, and engineered by me, Jason V. Local Color's theme music was composed and provided with permission by MobyGratis.com. Find Local Color online at localcolorpod.tk, where you can also follow Local Color on Twitter and Instagram and like on Facebook. Web hosting for Local Color is provided by Skylar Newman, with media hosting provided by Blueberry Podcasting Services. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color.